passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casazzi here in the stretch run of basketball season to talk a little bit of college football, specifically the transfer portal. Welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, um, this is more and more resembled the professional model. It's no longer purely amateur sports. You have head coaches like Neil Brown talking about roster bonuses when it comes to retaining players. Obviously, NIL has become some sort of an inducement for players to sign or transfer to places. And the transfer phenomenon has become so big that you can't treat it like a college thing because it's got so many professional aspects. Therefore, we're going to approach the portal in the West Virginia frame as if this is transactional, as if it's a professional model, talking about whether or not West Virginia should have, I don't know, re-signed, retained players, given the chance, or would they rather moved on and try to go into the portal and find somebody better? Mimicable? I don't know. But do business, because more and more, Chris, this is a business part of what, what seems like a business in itself. College sports, college football, a business, but you have to be business-like now when it comes to building and managing a roster. Yeah, absolutely. All, all the way down to a salary cap, more or less. Not necessarily a salary cap that is um, you know, the same across an entire the entire sport or even the entire conference, but your own salary cap, your own budget, if you will, of what you are willing and able to spend and you I, I i mean the way i'm going to be talking about it on this podcast and i am curious how close it is resembles reality is is it worth spending the nil money to keep this guy is it worth you know paying x to keep this guy on the roster or is it better to spend that money on his replacement or two other positions all that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, that's, that's more like you're more or less going to need a general manager, just like an NFL team with college football today. You're kind of seeing that now too, with personnel offices. There is somebody who is like a GM. Um, you might call it personnel director or something like that. But when it comes to really spinning all these dishes now too, 
there is a dedicated employee in many athletic or many football offices now. Makes sense. Look at West Virginia's offseason here. We'll go through these names here. Um, about a dozen of them. We're going to exclude a couple, Chris. Really can't fault players like Bryce Ford Wheaton or Sam James. Can't fault the Mountaineers. For them, I would say a combination of just kind of being done with the college experience, but also trying to make some money in the NFL or maybe the XFL. Who knows? And then also not going to fault the player of the program for players like Colton McGee and Casey Leg retiring. That said, Chris, real quick, how far are you willing to go for those two receivers? And then I'm not going to say that you can replace Leg and McGee like they're not important parts of it, but how effective can the portal be in replacing two guys like that? It seems to me that maybe they would be okay with both those receivers moving on and that they kind of trust their their search capacity in the portal to replace the two specialists. I, I think specialist is, no again, no offense to those guys because Leg has been very solid throughout the end of his career or his career at West Virginia, but specialist is the easiest position, I think, to replace in the transfer portal, and, and you're seeing it, and it seems a lot of teams are doing that because when I was going through doing my – my ins and outs for the entire Big 12 conference. It was essentially every team in the Big 12 that graduated a kicker or a punter got one in the portal. And they just snapped them up from, you know, a smaller school, like a, a smaller FBS school or an FCS school that, and they were excellent where they were. Say, hey, this is kicking, this is punting. Like it's not very, very little to do with scheme or your coach. It's like, get over here, kick it make field goals, kick it out of the end zone, punt it 50 yards, whatever. Um, and, and they are going about snapping those guys up. I mean, West Virginia did the same thing with Georgia State and and Mike, and Hayes. And um, I think you're seeing a lot of other teams do that too. And just on the receivers here, we're not going to really go over them, but kind of talking about our categories here, the way that I framed this when I did it last year in, in a written format, there are people that just get away and you wish they hadn't. Uh, last year was a key mesador. We probably have one or two this year we can get to. Then you have people where you're better off with them and you're better off without them. And then you have people where it's time for the team to move on and then it's time for the player to move on. So just working reverse there. Time for the player to move on. Hey, he's been here two, three years. He wants to go start or play somewhere else, different you know, conference, whatever. Okay. Time for the team to move on. Jared Dagey. It's time to move on. Didn't work goes a different direction. We said Mesador, the one that got away, and then better off with, better off without. That's where we might get into a bit of a conversation here. So I don't want to put in a lot of historical names in there because it's different, but I think that's where this conversation gets interesting because it can be so subjective. Begin, though, Chris, with, is there anybody in this list that seems like an Akeem Mesador this year that, ah, boy, that one got away. You really wish that wouldn't happen. And, you would have re-signed this person. You would have franchise tagged him, spent the big money, whatever you want to say, but you hate seeing this player or these players depart via the portal. I can think of one, maybe two. Okay. Uh, we're, we might be on the same page because I had one guy that I kind of no doubt said West Virginia would have re-signed. Do you want to count to three and we both say our, our one person? Three is a pretty time. interesting number here, is it not? Maybe, maybe not. Oh. One, 
two, three. Caden Pritchard. Jordan Jefferson. Oh. Okay. Um. Okay. Wait, was, he, make... was he your maybe two? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, no, I can get into it with Jefferson a little bit here, too. And Prather, listen, did not light the Big 12 on fire. But when you look at what they do and do not have at that position this year, and I do believe that there's an ample amount of talent there, and that if he's in a better football situation, if that's closer to home and in an offense of the quarterback like Maryland seems to have coming back, that may be best for him. But, like, I just think that it wasn't time for him to move on. The team is not better off without him. They're better with him for sure. Um, I just feel like that he had a chance for a star maker season here, and he still may get it in Maryland, but that doesn't necessarily work out best for West Virginia. Let me ask one clear. I need one small clarification here because I think my answer is different based on, on what you tell me here. Okay. Are we going off of what I would have assumed or thought at the time that the decision needed to be made, whether to quote unquote, resign this player or not, or are we talking hindsight? Because my answer is different depending on which one we're talking about. I would say probably in the moment because you probably elevate Prather's situation by looking at what they have not been able to do in the transfer portal. Right. So at I, that time you would say, Hey, they can go out and get player blank and it's not so bad. So I understand that, but I would say in the moment then, and that's kind of where you're operating, right? Yeah. Cause I, I was saying in the moment, I thought Jefferson was a bigger loss than Prather. Um, and, and maybe that was partially clouded because of how Prather finished the season, which again has its own nuance to it because of the quarterback play, slight change in the offense towards the end of the year, all that stuff. Um, but at the time I thought Jefferson's the bigger loss, but then when you look at it now with what West Virginia was able to add via the transfer portal, because I think Dave Hawkins is good, potentially very good. I think Fatorma Mulba maybe plays a slightly different position, but is that guy that again has been described to me as he'll instantly be one of the strongest people on your team, which is always a positive for the middle of that defensive line. And meanwhile, I'm not sure they found a replacement for Caden Prather. I, I mean, when I say I'm not sure, I'm certain they haven't found somebody to play that position that Prather was playing. So now I might be leaning more towards Prather being the bigger loss and the guy I wish they would have resigned. Okay. I'm I'm thinking the same way that you were thinking here, but I just thought when the portal season began, looking at the quarterback uncertainty that they have, and maybe even offensively because their offensive coordinator left, they were just going to have a hard time getting receivers, and they did. The same is largely true for defensive personnel. Maybe it's because of the coaching situation. Maybe it's because of how bad they were on defense last year. But this seemed like you could find interior defensive linemen that, yeah, I still think that you'd like to have him, but I would probably wait Prather more. But still, I think these are two that get away, but I would definitely rank Prather above Jefferson. Jefferson is just a very important person for what they do in their scheme. I'm not sure he's got irreplaceable talent and – Ends up at LSU where he's going to have a chance to play a lot in the power conference and prove himself there. How do you want to move on next? You want to pick players? You want to pick our tiers? I We can get to tiers, but there's I want to single out one player in particular here because I think it was so tough. Charles Woods. Okay. <laughs> Had him in a different tier, but that's fine. No, no, no. I don't have him in this tier. Okay. Okay. Just, but I just was confused about what to do with him because, it, it, again, like if I'm, I, I have this NFL mindset going on right now, and it's like if I am the WVU GM, I am coming to Woods, 
trying desperately to get him to sign, you know, a one year 15, you know, a heavy contract, big contract, but one year to reprove yourself to try to come back. And, and again, you, you knew at the moment and you still know now that West Virginia needs defensive backs. Fair. So how important is he? I'm concerned about some sort of a rift there. And he kind of fits into they're better off without him. And maybe it's time for him to move on. Something happened there. I don't know if he was asked to play injured, that they didn't take think that he was taking his rehab seriously. It did go from, I mean, never mind, I'm coming back to play, but he was actually back playing to where that whole four game redshirt thing wasn't even a thing. But all of a sudden, once they realize that season is spiraling, he suddenly isn't available anymore. Something happened there. I don't know how that could be healthy going forward. Good player. If he is, I mean, remember, they were they were prophesizing that he was one of the best cornerbacks in the country at this time last year, just because he had some good pro football focus scores and played a couple games at a high level at corner. Uh, and then it just turned quickly here, and maybe it, it turns as quick as an ankle in, in the first game of the season. But I don't know how they were going to get that back. So I had him. I mean, yeah, that's one that gets away because he had all-conference potential. But, man, I just ha- you spend on a guy like that or you commit to a guy like that, but then you also got to, I, mean, I would think, perpetually try to keep him happy, which I'm not sure that's the best situation for anybody there. That's a good point. I, I hear people talking about that a lot with the NBA where it's like, yeah, you can trade for a guy like, say, in the news, Kevin Durant. And maybe some of these other NBA teams could have traded for him, but he's a guy who obviously um, kind of pushes his way into and out of certain situations on whether or not he's happy. And you know already there's probably only a handful of teams that he'll be happy with, at least for the time being. And maybe that's the same case with Charles Woods. Who knows? Okay. Um. So we said tiers instead of players, right? Yeah, let's go with the – I mean, I again, I, I did like – resign and then a debate and depending on value and then the guys that you're just like hey it's been it's been fun thank you for your time good luck let's do that last category now i'm with you the people were it's just time for them to move on yeah could be for them could be for the team but we've had this please take my plate who's on your list um let's start with i mean let's start with some of the guys who didn't play basically i mean corbin page never I mean, from what I understand, wasn't with the team for the majority of the year, was was maybe kind of suited up sometimes, half the time, wasn't in some of the tight end pictures. Complete were, shocker here, right? Yeah, like, I mean, his recruitment was a mess. It was kind of shocking that they stuck with him and he stuck with West Virginia. So, yeah, not surprised here. Um, Ty Woodby's another, again, guy that, I mean, even when there were – no cornerbacks on the roster, essentially. He was third and fourth string. Another bizarre recruitment, too, right? Here's a guy who came in early and then just wasn't around. Well, so he was, yeah, he was supposed to be, he, he basically didn't play high school football for like two years. Like he, he had not played football, organized football for two and a half years or something because he didn't play in the COVID year in high school. Then was going to, God, what was the year? So he was supposed to be a 2021, 2022 recruit, and then was going to enroll an entire year early, an entire year, not one semester, an entire year early. And they just couldn't make it work. They just couldn't, he just couldn't get some of the academics figured out. But by that point, he had already kind of 
stopped doing school, like high school. So then he wasn't eligible to play that fall. So then he had to sit out that fall as well. And then enrolled early for the spring. And again, you know, was around for the spring, but had not played in quite some time. Had a rough spring game too. Very. And then Chris Mayo, I think was the other one. You know, he's been veteran on the team, been around a couple of years. Always lingering around that second team. You, you, you'd check the two deep and maybe he'd be on there, you know, in the preseason, be in there a few random weeks later in the year. Then he'd be off it, on it, off it. It just seemed like, hey, you know, you gave us some time in the practice squad. You're not quite making this seven-man rotation. We wish you luck. And I believe he ended up with uh, Eastern Michigan, which is probably a good spot for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay. Um, I'll put those guys in the list for sure. I had more, but okay. I was starting with the three guys who just didn't play at all. All right. Um, let me add some more that I think are going to be on your list then too. Mm-hmm. Maya Muhammad. Yeah. Hey, fine player. Fit a role. The role was not supposed to be much. He did it, but can certainly understand why maybe he wants to go somewhere else too. Uh, a little different here, but I think probably have Mumu bin Wahad. Yeah. I mean, something I... about him, something about him people like, but it never clicked. But the hard one here is that I'm not sure he'd been around so long that it was unsalvageable, but I'm not sure that they're better off with him. I'm not sure they're better off without him. So I have to put him in that. You know, okay, fine. We'll try to go out and get someone else. I don't think that if they keep him around, he solves a lot of their cornerback problems this year. And then Michael Lockham will be another one. Yep. And that's probably my list there too, but I just I just don't know how much longer you want to try to pour stuff into Michael Lockham where, again, it's not his fault. He's had injuries and significant one again and again and again, but you're kind of at a position now at that tight end spot where you want to go to the next level with this offense. There's a guy who's probably not going to be ready for the spring. And that's a huge time in the development of this new direction on the offense. And hey, if he wants to go somewhere else and give it a shot at Houston where, you know, he wanted to be with those guys at the beginning of his career, hey, give it a shot. That's fine. Shake hands, see you down the road. No, I'm with you. I again with the NFL analogies, it's like putting in a lot of times and a lot of reps with your 35-year-old tight end coming off his second knee surgery when you have a couple of young guys that you're interested in, but those young guys are now losing out on reps because you're using them on, on the injured vet. So um, he, he was good when he was on the field. And, and unfortunately, you know, injuries kept him off the field a good portion of his time at WVU. Um, but if he's, if he wants to do one more year and his body will hold up for one more year, I'm sure he'll 
make a roster and play somewhere. And let's go in the professional sense here. If he comes with his agent to your office and says, here are my terms to come back. And you say, no, thank you. Because in the back of your head, you're thinking, I can go into the portal and I can get Brian Palendi. I can get Cole Taylor. And you do that. You've come out on the right side of that transaction, I think. So, again, nothing against him personally or just on he's kind of been snake bitten. But West Virginia was able to go out and get what looks like a suitable replacement for maybe the second year in a row there, too. Um that's the extent of my list for those people. I have one question mark for you. Okay. JT Daniels. All right. This is the big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's still breakneck to me that this was the ticker tape moment of last off season. And then just kind of a guy who's at rice now and trying to get the right ending. Um, I think you have to say that it's better off for him and it's better off for them. Um, could you argue that they're better with him? Maybe. And could you argue that they're better off without him because if these quarterbacks struggle and here's a guy that you tried to run your your the offense that you're synonymous with and it didn't work, and then you spent the offseason trying to engineer something different with two different quarterbacks with the understanding he was going to be third, all of a sudden you go back to him, that's bad. But you might have people who see Green or Marquio struggle and say, wait a minute, why not play JT Daniels? So he fits like an all-four, Chris. He could be better off with the team. They could be better off without him. It could be time for him to move on. It could have been time for the program to move on, too. So he kind of covered a bunch of different ones for me. So I'm glad you stopped on this one. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you just said there, because all I'm thinking about is maybe you want him because he's that, you know, the veteran backup that every NFL team wants on their on their with their franchise. But maybe you don't, because like you said, if all of a sudden Garrett Green is struggling or Marchio is struggling or one or both of them get hurt. And all of a sudden everybody's clamoring for JT Daniels again. Do you, do you really want to go back down that road? Like not, this has nothing to do with Daniels's skill or ability, but just do you want to go back down that road of like, it's just like, you're not sticking to a plan here with this. You're, you're going three different directions and, I'm not sure that's what you want to do. So I think I would, if I were the GM, I would say, thanks. Appreciate it. Wish we could trade you, uh, you know, whatever, but um, just don't want that. I don't want that opportunity to make that mistake or that distraction. And it's not you, it's not you that you're the distraction. It's just the potential to play you kind of thing. Okay. Another one I struggle with, but I think that if you, could try to keep and you would try to keep him for another year i think and you could talk me out of this chris but let's just take a quarterback will crowder they they saw something in him early that they liked other people came on to him and if i remember the story correctly and i think you might have told me this too but he was one of those quarterbacks that had they had a full senior season when his covid year maybe his recruiting lights up and he is a more coveted project project how about a prospect maybe project too mm-hmm. my bad but <laughs> Things go sideways for him and, and and the whole world that one year. He comes here. He's in a strange situation. They're, you know, the transfer portal. They're keeping Garrett Green around. They go out, they get Nico Marchio. But, man, you're in a situation right now. Daniels goes, and I don't think anybody has an issue or raises an eyebrow about that. Their third quarterback now is Sean Boyle, which fine. But, like, this team may need a third quarterback for one reason or another. It's a lot to ask him to stick around. But if you're trying to build a roster, you try to consolidate 
quarterbacks. Like that's that's my thing. I use this goofy analogy, but they're like Funko Pops to me. You collect them and you keep them on your shelf and you try to have the best and maybe even the most sometimes. Quantity and quality are a lot closer than you think, I think, sometimes. I would have tried to keep him around and said, hey, I don't know how this is going to go another year. This guy may stink. This guy may transfer. You could be number two. You could be 1C next year or 1B. I don't know. But, like, certainly you're ahead of this true freshman from Charlotte who played in a wing T. Uh, why don't you come and compete? But it's also possible that he saw what it took to compete at this level and thought he didn't have it or – thought that he could enjoy football more at Troy in the Sun Belt and did what's best for him. But that doesn't change what I think here that, and I think, again, I could be talked out of this, but I would have really tried to commit something to keep him. I'm not sure you throw the bag at him, but I think you probably have a conversation where you say, listen, you're still young. If you want to go, maybe next year, but you might have a shot here. If not now, then sometime in the future, but you got to be a part of it to be a part of that. Yeah, I'm curious how close he was to say, I mean, I know he's obviously been he hasn't been here very long, but for those unfamiliar, football players are on a different academic calendar than everybody else. You know, they're here, they're in Morgantown eleven months out of the year, essentially. So they are taking um Maymester, summer classes, all this stuff. And that's why you'll often hear of guys quote unquote graduating, not quote unquote graduating, they are graduating in three years. Um, you know, I would have yeah, I, I'm with you. I would have tried to be like, hey. You are two semesters away from getting your degree here and transferring while easier than it ever was. You still are going to find like there you, we've heard these stories before, like you are still lose credits. You there are things that are not going to transfer. There are, you're going to set yourself back in your schoolwork. Give this one more year. And if you don't, we will help you find the best place possible anywhere you want to go. Give us one semester. Try to get, Try to stick around for one year because you could play. Because I'm with you, Mike. Right now, it is Marquio uh, Boyle again, true true freshman. And Neil Brown has said they are not getting anybody in the transfer portal, and they are not. Uh, there's been no indication they are. And instead, they are loading up on walk on quarterbacks. Like I mean, I think they got. I posted the preferred walk on commitment list earlier this week. And there's like three, four quarterbacks on there. One's like an athlete that played quarterback. So they're trying to fill that spot, but that's the situation they're in and why I think I would have tried to convince Crowder to stay too. Let's talk about chess and checkers though, Chris. Mm-hmm. Transfer now, one-time transfer. Play at Troy, be really good. Graduate and use your post-grad transfer. And come back to WVU anywhere. I mean, just any, just anywhere. Like you don't have to, once you don't have to sit out on that postgraduate transfer. So by moving now, he gets the free one graduates maybe in more time than he would here, but maybe sometime down the road, he has another free transfer to use. Like that's going to be a model that players use probably at quarterback more than anywhere else. And if dropping down, if you will, um, is what it requires to move up then that's not a terrible idea. So, again, maybe he's playing chess here. Um, final group, Chris. These are probably our higher-quality players that are no longer here. Requires some conversation, maybe a bit of nuance, even though we've hit on a bunch of them. But um, here, here's what I have on this list here. And you tell me if you have additions here. But we're looking at uh, Taj Austin, Jordan White, and Reese Smith. Am I missing anybody? Uh, Linnell Carr. Linnell Carr. Excuse me. I had – I. <laughs> Sorry, I had Simmons and I crossed Simmons off because he came back. Um, yeah, so those are the four. Right, same. 
so let's start with Carr since I forgot him, but like I also thought about him for a second too. Potential for sure. And they're just lacking in pass rush right now. That Bannon spot hasn't been good. You could make the conversation pretty interesting here by saying we've seen this act before. Do we have to do it again? But he's also projected as like their most active and most natural pass rusher for a long time for a team that is devoid of pass rush. And man, they liked him as that like prototypical bandit. They really thought he had something there. Is he a little short? Is he a little bit slow? Is he not as tall or as long? I guess. Yeah, but he's a different look there. They don't have people to do it. I just, I just wonder if they missed on this one as much as they, they believed in his potential in doing it. Um, I, I think that they're better off with him on defense and I understand he's not a high impact player, but I also look at what they don't have there now and how hard it is to get people to play that spot. Um, Again, this might be elite for me, but I, I do think that that's somebody I'd like to have around. I yeah, I mean, he would have been somebody I would have certainly had to talked with. Again, taking the NFL approach of, I would have sat down with him and his agent and tried to find a price. Uh, there would certainly be a ceiling on where I'm willing to go with that, because he's got almost 500 snaps in his career at West Virginia, where essentially his sole job is to rush the quarterback. And he has one sack to show for it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm with you. Like, I mean, he he was built up as, hey, this is the guy that fits the bandit spot. And the biggest weakness on this defense, or maybe the fr- most frustrating weakness on this defense, has been that bandit spot for the last couple of years. And he's been a part of that. He's been part of that rotation. He has not been the answer there. So you're saying to yourself, how much do I want to spend, so to speak, on keeping him around? I, again, I think he's he's shown a couple flashes. He's been in the rotation, and you don't want to lose that both. And again, I think if if both him and Simmons were gone, because the, the originally when Simmons entered, they were like within a couple days of each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy, wow, that's, I mean, neither of them really, you know, did too much there. But, and I know Simmons has bounced back and forth between line, you know, bandit and defensive end or whatever they want to call him. But I think Simmons staying hurts to, uh, helps my leverage in my talks with Carr, and, and I'm not going very high on trying to keep him. The fate of the Linnell Carr decision probably rests in the hands of James Hurd, though. If he comes in and he plays and he can be a pass rusher, if he's a, a, a second and 18, a third and eight guy, that's good. I mean, that's fine. Maybe there's space for him that wasn't there before, but sorry, I got to see him do it before I can believe that you're that what you say is going to be true right now. So again, it, it may work out and it may open a spot for a guy who's talented and should play as a true freshman, but I still think he could fit him in the game with whatever Linnell Carr might top up. Uh, Alston, not a great stats guy, but man, he's solid. He can be disruptive. He's, he's a, he's a man at that spot. Um, it might've been time for him to move on. I understand that, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to try. Um, his numbers were not great. This past season, I'm not sure how invested he was in it at all times, too. It seemed like he was a different player after that penalty against Kansas. But a decent run defender, did not miss tackles, could be disruptive and get pressures. And then his lack that right now, too. I would have tried to keep him. I'm with you. If you if the coaches say all the time they want they want eight guys in that rotation, you do not have eight, eight guys right now. West Virginia does not. I do not believe. Um, and Alston would be in there. And I'm with you. He, he kind of took a step back after that. That I think he took a step back in the entirety of 2022, but certainly after that penalty against Kansas. But, you know, our Colorado guy called me and asked me to do a, a quick interview about what he is and what he isn't. And my answer was just, he's just kind of 
solid all the way around, I think was the term you just used too. He's he's decent to pretty good at everything. And I'm not sure he's terrible at anything. So it's it's one of those guys you like, hey, he's not gonna be all big 12, but you want him in your rotation. So yeah, I would have tried to again tried to keep him. Uh there would have been a ceiling, a cap on what I would have spent, but it certainly would have been like more than say, you know, cars, more than a lot of the guys we've talked about so far. Final two names here. We'll wrap up. Where do you stand on Jordan White? Um, I was actually leaning towards no with him. I mean, I think he's a solid player. He was obviously going in the plans to be a starter at the beginning of the year. He started the season opener before he got injured. But I think the fact that they so easily kind of replaced him, it's just, it's one of those things. It's just like the NFL. Like, you know, when they talk about spots, and where guys get drafted that you can kind of just plug and play at, at some spots. And I don't think that's the case in college with guard, but it seemed like West Virginia was able to do that uh, when he went out. So I was honestly leaning more towards no for him for a while, but it, it's almost like Linnell Carr. Like, hey, can I get you for veterans minimum back for one year? No. All right. Well, thank you. I try to keep him because do you do you believe in Tomas Rematch for a full season? He might be, but I just don't yet. And sorry, but I know he played more than half a season, but like, let's see that happen again. Um, and he may be fine, but like, I'd feel a lot better working with the net there. And White's a guy who went to a couple of seasons and was your starter last game last year. Like so much of they played a pretty good guard at tackle. Now that might've had something to do with tackle too, but there's something there with him. Um, and here's the, here's what hamstring is about this, Chris. Like, we don't know what goes on. Maybe, maybe White checked out. Maybe he was a bad dude. Maybe he wasn't in love with the situation. I don't know. Um, had I known, I'd probably be able to answer these questions better. But there's something there. We've been talking about that forever. Here's a guy that probably would have been a much higher prospect in that D.C. metro area had he not hurt his ankle first game of his junior year. And when he was healthy and right, he was productive. He kept getting better and better and better. I just don't think that was a sunk cost. Uh, I would try to keep him because I think you want to have older defensive linemen. And if his year is a bounce-back year, um, you know, just getting healthy and getting back on track and then giving you great depth to guard and maybe even starts – that's fine. I'm okay with that. I would have tried to invest in that. Uh, finally, Reese Smith. I think that the name on this list that might surprise some people that you'd be better off with him is probably Reese Smith to me. For him, it's like my TJ Banks last year. Wasn't the best. Didn't do a whole lot and had chances to prove it, but you just need people like that who can do certain things. And here's a guy who can maybe do something in special teams and help you out. He can play inside. He's older. Um, is he going to become an explosive over the top player? No. But what do you have right now? You have people who are learning it on the fly. Maybe him getting out gets Rodney Gallagher on the field early. And maybe Gallagher can help you in special teams or different areas. But I just think that you need people like this in your program who could do a bunch of different things and be older and be productive at times. Um, maybe a step back for him last year. But I, I just think you need people like that in your program for depth purposes and just kind of having like a, um, I don't know, just a more thorough presence at the position and, if I had a chance, I would have done it, but I also understand why he probably wanted to move on and, and do what was best for him. And maybe he falls off, at least in his mind, as a better move for him, but I would have kept him. I'm with you. I understand why he I understand why he would have left. I think he, you know, he felt we know what Reese Smith is and is not. And I think he was looking for a spot where he could kind of expand on that and, and expand on his role in an offense. And I think he probably found that at Liberty. Um but you know, so are you going out and spending big bucks to try to keep Reese Smith around? Probably not, but I would have tried hard to keep him 
Um, he is out of this group, this grouping here in the middle. You know, I think of him a lot like Alston all the way down to mm-hmm. the 2021 year was, was maybe better. And the 2022 year had some glimpses, but you also saw some, you know, all the way down to the mental mistakes where, you know, Alston had the penalty against Kansas and Smith had those issues with the punt returns and a couple of the fumbles. But we talked about it a lot in 2021. Like he was out there on fourth and three plays. They were running plays in critical situations for him a lot during his time, at least as relative to how much he played a lot when he was here. So I think losing that is not something you really want to lose. So maybe you, you, you try to keep him. So yeah, he was, he was definitely in that maybe section, maybe the re-signing section for me. Real quick before we close up here, Chris, as we're doing this conversation, the quantity of players is down a bit this year too, but it also seems like the quality of players, they didn't take as many hits. Maybe it's because they lost so many quality players before or the quantity was such that it gobbled up some quality, but it wasn't the smoothest offseason, but I feel like the conversation we're having right now, different than it would have been had we done this exercise last year. Um, I guess, is that true? And is, is that a good sign? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I do that that ins and outs, and I call it the ledger, uh, especially with Neil Brown essentially referring to it as that. Um, and West Virginia, I think, was minus 400 snaps right now, but that doesn't include a kicker coming in like Michael Hayes. That doesn't include kind of the nuance of a JT Daniels leaving and, you know, are you really worried about that? And it doesn't include guys like Luke Hamilton, who was an all-conference FCS fullback that West Virginia got a commitment from, and he's on campus, he's going to be playing for West Virginia. They just didn't have to use a scholarship on him. And, and and I think somebody pointed that out in my in my spot. And that was that was a good point. Like, why am I penalizing West Virginia for not using a scholarship on him when they got him as a walk-on? So I think West Virginia is in a much better, has had a much better offseason this year than they did last. And there's room for more additions, maybe more additions than any other team in the Big 12. There you have it, a business-like approach to the business of the college football offseason. Chris, it's been a pleasure doing business with you. Until next time, I'm Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. Spring training is in full swing, and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.